Extra, the podcast that tries to condense some of the interviews that we've had on our weekend show Scoreline. That's on KCLR every weekend from 2 to 6. Coming up in this episode, we'll hear from the under-16 Kilkenny Camogie manager Seamus Kelly after their victory in semi-final action. Also, Shawnee Doyle will be joining us ahead of Freebooter C taking on my team, Castle Warren Celtic, on Wednesday night in the Division 2 Cup Final in the Kilkenny District League. Also, Carlo GEA chairman Jim Bulger joins us after the disappointing end to uh, all disciplines basically, in Carlow GAA. Also joining us then from a Carlow perspective is Brian O'Reilly from the Carlow District League and Olympian Marcus Lawler. But we're going to start with Jim Bulger. That's a boost, Shane, yeah. Um, we've uh, Radfield playing Palatine tonight and uh, it's great. To, uh, fans are screaming out for an outlet to get out into fresh air and see their teams playing. So we're looking forward to that one. Yeah, listening in on commentaries where you have Brendan or Terence Kelly or, or Willie Quinlan, yeah. you can hear the fans in the background. It certainly adds a lot more dynamic to the commentary and obviously it would add a, a lot more dynamic to the game. Unfortunately for me and Robbie, we don't get to actually witness many games because we're on the back end of things, but it's just brilliant. It helps paint a picture. Um, in, in terms of uh, Carlo GEA at an inter-county level, um, yeah. before we get into maybe the disappointing year, logistically, how tough has it been for, for Carlo GEA? We discussed you know, maybe going up to down was probably a, a, a very yeah. logistically hard thing to do. So, with yeah. getting fans into Netwatch Colin Park and different things, what what's it been like on the back end? Uh, but, uh, it's I suppose the whole given the COVID climate, it's been difficult for everybody. And uh, if we take our senior footballers for example, um, we had two league games before we played Loud, Loud at three. So, uh, you know, the way we develop and. In in a normal season, we'd, we'd have maybe two or three challenge games plus in the Barn Cup before we go into the league. But that's that's the way the cookie crumbles. And uh, it's it's when we're trying to develop players and, and we have a good element of transition now with our senior footballers. Uh, it's difficult in that context. Likewise, we we had with the senior hurling, we have a new management team in, and really they were only getting to know the players. The players getting to know them when it's all over. Unfortunately. And uh, when we beat Wicko in the first game, uh, you alluded to the down match was um, that one went against us um, after travelling up to the Irish Peninsula, and uh, then um, we really, awfully, we, we heard very well the first half, and as it was team, it looked like the second half. But really, the the change for us was against Mead in the game in Navan, and uh, it was. One day that we kind of hit, the, we know everything. Uh, everything we did worked out for us, and we continued that into the uh, final game with Kerry and and had a good win there. So that set us up nicely for McDonough Cup and Hildare hurling as you, as we all know, on the crest of a wave, and we were always uh, conscious going to Newbridge that it was going to be uh, a difficult uh, task for us, and we came out of there with a victory and well deserved victory. And then it was up to us against Westmead at home, and I suppose we didn't finish that strongly on the day, but we we had a very good first half overall, and unfortunately came out the wrong end of it. And as you can see, they pushed Westmead yesterday all the way, just a one-point game. So uh, that's where we're at, and uh, we have to regroup and analyse where we're at and uh, come back all the stronger next year. Um, in addition, for our underage teams, while our minor footballers had a very good win against Wicklow in the first round, they didn't carry that in. They didn't seem to get a hop out of it at all yesterday, and, and uh, I thought the scoreline was a bit unfair on the lads. But that's where we are with, with minor football, minor herders. Uh, minor herders didn't uh, fare too well, but they have a chance to atone for that now in the Parallahan Cup and uh, playing Antrim in the first game next week. And uh, our under-20 footballers... Uh, just didn't get to the pitch of the game on the night, and I felt very sorry for them as well. But our under-20 hurlers were probably the most unlucky of all, losing by a point to Kildare, hurled very well on the night, and on any other night we could have got the result, I'd imagine. But Kildare, Frank the Farm, went on and, and beat a very strongly fancied Wexford team last week. So um, tough, a tough um, campaign for us all round, but... Um, when I did take over the chairman's role, I, I did say that we would we would uh, sit down and review our entire coaching and games 
element within Carlo GA and, and that's still my plan and uh, indeed I, I have made uh, some moves in that direction already and we'll start to look at that in, in, and look at the big picture and see where we can develop and where we can improve and what we're doing well to continue to do that and look at areas that we need to improve on and that's the intention. We put a strategy in place then for a number of years and implement the strategy but uh, we will be contacting all key stakeholders in this regard as well throughout the process. Well, you, you just touching upon kind of what you said in referencing Tom Mullally, say, coming into the structure and doing it during COVID yeah. times. Like, it's a massive, massive year of transition. Even yourself, your own tenure starting uh, after yeah. taking over from Sean Campy. And Niall Carew uh, is not even, you know, it's his second campaign, but it's his, he's not even there a year. Bernard Horahan. Um, like, the, yeah. the, these are all new things that are happening in 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 Carlo GEA yeah. and like say referencing Niall Carew he, he's been very adamant that he wants to play a more kind of open and expansive game than previously was played in GEA so all this kind of stuff takes time and I, I, I'd imagine you kind of being on the back end of things you can see things coming to fruition where some fans we were messaging in last week someone posed the question is, is Carlo sinking as opposed to rising Like, but you can see stuff on the back end yeah. and I'm sure you're, you're quite yeah. impressed and happy with what's going on despite the results on the pitch yeah, well, and that's. Well, I suppose we have to be. We have to have a reality check as well, and that's you know, as I alluded to there, the the uh, review of coaching and games in its entirety, and and that's looking at the club situation as well, and looking at the quality of our club coaches, for example, and where we can help there. So if there's a gap there that we need to close, we certainly help whatever way we can. You know, so and uh, you know, we consult with Leicester GA on that as well, and see see what we can do. If there's a need to to improve the quality of the coaching, um, it's 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 certainly when you mentioned Niall Carew and the senior footballers, uh, Niall Carew had two games in the back end of last year and four this year in total. I can, as I said previously, there you know a normal year you'd have maybe three or four challenge games before and the Burn Cup and then into the league. So I think we have to give. The, the management teams, a, a, you know, a bit of breathing space and a bit of an opportunity to put their own stamp on it, to a certain extent, and um, and it, it does take time, and and you know, I know we can look at results and all that and say it's results driven, but like it's development of players is more important for me, from my perspective, to look at what we're doing at underage, uh, like under from seventeen from minor down that are going to develop into under-20 and ultimately senior players. So we have to look at it in a holistic way and try and get as much right as possible. But it's it's a concert, like it's a, a joint-up effort where we have clubs, uh, management teams, coaching in games and, and ourselves providing the resources and the environment and the facilities to develop these players. So it's a, it's a massive challenge, but it's one that we, we, are, we intend to embrace and to do our best. And all we can ask of any player is to get the best out of themselves. But we have to make sure that we're doing everything in our powers to help them to, to get there. And that's our job. A, a lot of smaller counties um, and other counties have seen their season end after one game. And it's incredibly you know, disappointing, even from a commentary perspective. You know, it brings great vibrancy to the place, especially after the year that we've all yeah. suffered. You know, um, A lot of them have seen... Their, their championship over after one game. Do you think it's it, it's fair that there was no back door for teams knocked out in the first round? I, I, I think, and, and we have it with our own fixtures makers and decision makers. It's very it was very difficult because of the unknown. There were like there were uh, shooting in the dark, really. Uh, you know, with the COVID situation, so very difficult. And I suppose at one stage we're delighted to get any games and get and then look at where we're at. And I know. It's easier now in hindsight to say, like, why did the hurlers have a backdoor and not the footballers? But, uh, you know, there's a lot more counties involved in, in the football at the at the higher end, a lot more games to look after and so on like that. But, it, of course, you'd love when you're putting in the result. Like, every every player and every management team would love at least a second bite at the cherry. And I just think that we have to be mindful of the situation that we were in earlier in the year when we looked at, you know, the A&Es and indeed the ICUs. And even now, even now, we're hoping that the club scene won't be disrupted given the Delta variant that we're facing as well. So there's still a lot of unknowns there, Shane, that we just can't legislate for. And that's the environment. That's the 
that's what the fixture makers and planners were dealing with at the time. So this was their solution, and I think people were delighted to get any kind of games or games programs going and jumped at it. And there was very little commentary about the footballers only having one bite at the cherry, essentially, for a lot of the teams. Like, there's 17 or 18 teams gone already this year. Hmm. Um, you know. kind of breaking away from kind of the the disappointment there there has been some good news over the past while uh, when we were talking to Sean I think it was last October we were talking about the financial implications of, of COVID but you've just after finishing uh, your Barrowside Challenge you've raised nearly 80,000 for the various clubs and counties as well so yeah. you must feel some type of tremendous pride in that we know that we can't or we couldn't at the time get people through the turnstiles but it certainly would have helped it certainly did. It certainly did, and look, the timing wasn't ideal. But but uh, you know, we were speaking to clubs who had that was no avenue to to raise funds either. You know, trying to get a crowd into a hall, for example, or to do something that we, you know, some of the like strictly come dancings and all of this sort of stuff that were going on that were you know nice fundraisers, but uh, very difficult for clubs and very difficult for ourselves. And yet the bills are there. We still have to maintain our facilities like clubs and so on like that. So we're very grateful to everybody that helped us with, with that challenge. And, you know, it was only a little over four weeks we, we raised that those funds, which were very welcome. And uh, and we've, we we hope that uh, we have our club um, development draw now coming as well, in, 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 you know, in August, the first of four draws. And that's that's a, that's been very successful as well. So we hope that that will work out for us this year with the clubs as well, and give them an opportunity to to raise funds again, and keep the keep the show on the road. Because at the end of the day, um, it's the same as maintaining your own house or facility. You know, we, we still if we don't if we let things go, uh, it's, it's surprising how much money they will eat up long term. Like you know, so uh, we're we're very grateful to everyone that supported us, and hope that we get a bit more support now coming for the club development draw for the clubs as well. We're looking forward to seeing what happens anyway within Carlo GEA and the club scene as well. It's uh, it's yeah. going to be it's going to get exciting, and I know people might be disappointed, but like speaking to yourself, it's great getting to talk to you because you can hear the hope in your voice that you have, and you have been able to see the structures that are being put in place. So it, it, it's nice to even despite having the negative, to somewhat be able to turn it into a positive. Ah, yeah. Well, look, we have to look at the positive side on because we have tonight's matches on. We also have to deal with legacy stuff from last year in the sense that we didn't get to finish our championships last year of football. Yeah. And uh, we've we've uh, a programme now in place that, and we wanted to uphold the integrity of last year's championships as well. So we, we hope to have the county final, the county football final from 2020 on the 8th of August. Uh, the intermediate final um, hopefully on the 31st of uh, July and with a big look that would be preceded by last year's junior final as well. And in the and in in addition, then we hope to finish off junior B and junior C championships around the same time. And uh, then, um, our for example, this year's twenty twenty leagues or twenty twenty one, I should say, for this year, we hope to have all our league competitions finished next weekend. So that's a positive for us as well. Then we go into last year's. <coughs> then to to make a definite line in the sand, then we're going to play this year's hurling followed by this year's football. And I suppose there is a difference all going well is that we have Leinster Provincial Championships at club level to look forward to both in hurling and football, uh, which we didn't have last year. So all going well. And as I said, Delta Variant hopefully won't interfere with us. And uh, we'll, we'll keep that programme going. And that's the, that's the plan there, Shane. Well, uh, thank you very much, Jim, for taking time out of your Sunday. You sound like you're going to be a busy man over the next few weeks. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly be busy in here. Well, I should say more probably yeah. Brendan Hennessy and we'll be very busy yeah. over the next few weeks. Uh, we're looking forward to it. I think everybody is and to get out and to, to see our clubs. Uh, you know, and that's what it's all about, what's happening on the field, you know. So um, everyone's eagerly anticipating the future competitions and, uh, and I'm looking forward to myself very much as well. Jim Bulger, we're going to go from Jim to Seamus. Seamus Kelly, the under-16 Kilkenny Camogie manager. Shem Kelly, happy birthday is ringing out in the, behind us there for Kiara John. I think it's birthday is today. 
what a birthday present all Ireland final to look forward to what a victory over Tipperary there today yeah Kira Dunn turned 15 years of age today and to be honest with you if you look at the girl the stature and the way she can play you wouldn't think she was 15 you'd she was 18 years of age um, look a great result here today our, our, our ambition here today was to get the result whether we won by a pint or whether we won by 10 is to get to an all Ireland final semi-finals are for winning and that's about it he got out of the traps very, very quickly. He set the tone right from the start and Tipperary were chasing he all throughout. I suppose in the manner that he won as well, it was a fantastic day all round. Yeah, the last day when we played Dublin, we noted that we had 16 wides and it's something we knew we had to work on and we worked on it very hard. And it, it, we worked on the start, hitting the traps early, putting teams away. I think we hit five, five points on the board within the first 10 minutes or something. Like. They scored 4-17 in the end. That's fair scoring for a team of under 16s to hit that like. That's fantastic to see. They worked hard, put the shoulder to the wheel over the last two weeks. They took everything on board from the coaches. You know what I mean? And the coaches have done a fantastic job here. This isn't about me as manager. I'm here to help the coaches. The coaches help the players and the result. That's what happened. Today. It was a fantastic game of Camogie. The weather was fantastic. Eight goals and 28 points. You couldn't get much better. And in fairness to Cahill McAllister, like, he left the flow for as much as he can. He really enjoyed the spectacle. The crowds was there, got behind you as well. All round it was an excellent day. The great thing about this is this is the first time this group of girls have probably played in such a pressurised game. So this is going to be an education to them for their careers in the future. I thought the referee done a great job. I, th- I thought it was end to end. You know, We got our goals and Tipperary got goals too that we need to review and have a look at. In some cases, they were very easy, but that's you have to learn. We learn from that. Yeah, you have to take learnings out of this game. Look, Martin, the girls got the result here today. They earned the result. The girls came off the bench. Eva Coverdale got a score and she came on. Clean and Murphy getting stuck in straight away. Julia Lennon came off the bench, struck another point. You know, it's not about the team that starts, it's the team that finishes. And they all, they all done, done me proud here today, the management included. Yeah, fair play to you. I mean, you have done a fantastic job with it. You've been saying it all down through the years, as long as you're involved with the Kilkenny Kamoki setup, that there's a bunch of girls that's there that has a chance to win an All Ireland medal at under 16 level. We haven't won one since 2008, haven't been in a final since 2016. Five years to be in a final is bad enough. Not to win one in Kilkenny for 12 years is even worse. But you've said it all along that there's a group of players here that can do it. Do you think this is the year? I suppose what was it three years ago I went into an interview with you and I, I threw a proposal on the table to you and I said that I see in the future someday I'd hope to see Kilkenny achieve far more success than they um, have gotten in the past few years and that could come from winning the 16 and a minor and the senior in the one year not saying it's going to happen or counter chickens before they hatch or anything like that but when I came to Kilkenny I couldn't get over the skill level the attitude the willingness to win and all I think I've done is try to bring a structure to the whole thing a bit of passion you know what I mean I know people laugh when they find out I'm from Carlow but like I just admire what they have here and, and all I try is bring my bit to it but when you look behind you there now and you see the coaches you have involved the passion they have they're the ones getting the most out of the girls and these girls are believing when you look over your shoulder as well there you see the future do you know like 2008 been 13 years since winning under 16 title is far too long in Kilkenny terms in my opinion I think the last girls to win um, under 16 would have been the likes of Davina Tobin and Grace Walsh like and I hope next Sunday that when we look back in the history books now that the benchmark is set and it's going to be the Anna Dottonys with the next under 16 or Ali Kennedy's or Julia Lennon's or whoever so it's going to be an exciting week ahead we'll get back to our routine we'll focus in on Cork we'll do a bit of research and on our finals anything can happen and I just hope that these girls can achieve something great we had a pandemic this year we didn't think we'd be here today is a bonus to be honest with you I think winning any game this year and having camogie is a bonus and I just hope the big bonus comes next next Sunday Yeah normally you might get two or three weeks lead in time into an All-Ireland final I suppose the way things are this year you're straight into it for the week All-Ireland final next Sunday as you say again Cork won't be an easy task but one I'd say you're relishing and looking forward to I am indeed I, I've had great battles at Cork over the years you would have been a minor manager Cork are a fantastic sporting county we know this the battles we've had at senior level you know what I mean they probably are probably the favourites to win it like and some people kind of said to me that this Kilkenny team you know mightn't have got as far as they did but to put the shoulder to the wheel we've, we, we've, we've brought we've brought the inner cat out in them like you know what I mean and I hope that they go one more step and release it one more time like like, we're not going to go out there and hammer Cork off the pitch. We're under no illusions. It's going to be a battle. It could come down to the wire. But today they learnt what it is to play in a pressurised situation. And I think, they're, I think they'll take a lot from this. And next Sunday is going to be hopefully a great battle. Yeah, well, you've gone through the group stages of it. You know, straight into the semi-final. Fantastic victory today, as you say. You have a great group of girls in front of you. You're going to enjoy the weekend. I have no doubt the girls look forward to it a lot of them wouldn't have played in a proper All-Ireland setting before when it comes to under 16 they might have played in the under 14 that's blitz this is completely different yeah. an All-Ireland medal in your back pocket is something to behold look once we prepare right and the girls come with the right attitude the result will take care of itself once they bring work rate attitude and just that inner desire to win the result will take care of itself 
you know what I mean just bring bring that to the pitch you know these girls are after growing up so quick in seven weeks camogie wise but look I have great belief in them and uh, I hope the result comes in our favour next Sunday well enjoy the week ahead fantastic to be there I know you're going to do the county proud these girls you with the management team everyone will give it your all and we wish you the best of luck in Cork and the all Ireland. thanks very much Martin well done champ Moving on to soccer, first up is Brian O'Reilly from the Carlow District League. It isn't as fantastic, um, and uh, our idea of starting early was well received by the clubs at the AGM, so we felt it was important to get the dates out there now, give everybody a plan, and hopefully now this year we can have a fantastic season. Yeah, um, I, I just know from, say, on a Kilkenny perspective, and we're competing in there, just the buzz around soccer pitches is, 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 is something monumentous. Now, the over-35 leagues is still going ahead, and that was a very busy schedule um, in terms of having to complete the playoff final, having to compete the divisional cup finals, and then going straight into an eight-week mini-tournament. So, just coming from that, um, uh, what what's that been like, kind of? Was that used as a as a way to kind of plan the junior league? Yeah, it's, it's been a really, really busy time for, for ourselves on the executive committee, Shane. As you said, we had a massive, quick turnaround. Um, and with all the COVID protocols and everything, we've been able to use the over-35, I suppose, as you said, kind of as a test procedure and to get an appetite for soccer. And, and as you've said, there appears to be a huge appetite. Um, I remember speaking to you last uh, October, November, December, and we wondered what the effect of the lockdown would be. Well, it would appear that there's a huge hunger out there. We're going to have records number of teams right across the board as you've already mentioned we're now this is the third weekend of our over 35s most teams are playing their third game tonight um, and we have a record entry of 16 teams it's looking like now our entry for the men's league we're going to have 28 teams we have a record 10 teams in our newly formed under 17 league we've 8 teams in our under 19 league we're going to have 10 teams in the women's league so we're looking about 72 teams across all our competitions, which is phenomenal numbers. So it really is appeared to be an appetite for soccer out there after the lockdown. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Like even reading about the over thirty fives league, just harping back to that and having record numbers of teams registered for it, five different counties involved. It's a, it's really a testament to people's insatiable appetite for soccer, especially considering like you know when there's a major tournament on, like the Euros. You know you want to be out playing soccer, or like Wimbledon, you want to be out playing tennis, or the Irish Open, you want to be out there playing golf because you're seeing it, you want to do it. So it was great to have that avenue firm. So with all things considered. When is the uh, junior soccer kicking off? And then after that, then obviously the youth soccer will be kicking into things. But when is the first date for uh, the tip-off? Yeah, so we've gone with Sunday the 15th of August. Um, Sunday the 15th of August. And what we're doing with the KCLR Shield, which has been a hugely popular competition for the last number of years, because the KCLR Shield is quite unique in the sense that it's a club competition rather than a team competition. So every club can only enter one team. So we've got 21 clubs in the Carroll League. We would normally play it as a knockout competition over the year. The plan this year is Champions League style. There's going to be four groups. Each team will play each other. So there's going to be five five rounds of group matches, which will be the 15th of August, the 22nd of August, the 29th of August, the 5th and 12th of September. And then the top two teams from each group will make a quarter final. But as you may have seen from our social media posts, we have dates now for the LFA and the FAI Cup of the 19th of September, the 26th of September, which will leave us the 3rd of October then for the Shield quarterfinals. Um, and then we're looking at league action kicking off in, in October um, for, for, for the three divisions. So it's a really exciting time that the clubs can now plan. And the other thing we think with the new Shield competition will do, it will really benefit our clubs going forward in the outside competitions because it means before the LFA Cup and before the FAI Cup first rounds all our teams will have had five games five competitive games under their belt and I think we all agree that competitive games are the best way to prepare for a competition and there has been arguments in the past that some of our teams have had suffered shock defeats in the first round of the LFA or the FAI and it's because they weren't prepared they'd only been playing a couple of pre-season friendlies so by starting like this not only do we get back a little bit earlier but we also get our teams competitive action. And the fact that it's a club competition then, it doesn't put the clubs under too much pressure to have all their lads back in August. They just need to have 16 lads. And then with the registration process, it means they can spread out a little bit better. Like as you said, with the over-35, we have a record 
are now up to 355 players registered. There's still players registered. And the age group there varies from 35. I think the oldest player I registered last week was 56. <laughs> um, and with, with, with the juniors, it'll be the same. We had nine, a record 940 players registered last year. And I'm sure we're going to break the 1,000 mark this year. That's uh, that's amazing to hear. I'm absolutely blown away by that. Um, a massive soccer fan, uh, as me and Robbie in here. So it's brilliant to hear. Uh, we played a few friendlies last season against some Carlo sides, and it, it, it's great to see that soccer is going strong. Now, soccer can only go strong on a junior perspective when you have a schoolboy set up and when you have uh, people kind of coming through the ranks. So looking at that, and it, it's sometimes even much to my you know, embarrassment, you kind of get caught up in the junior soccer uh, side of things without really mentioning the schoolboys kind of thing. But they're the lifeblood of every single club. So when is the uh, the league going to kick off for them? 100%. Now, Shane, the Juvenile League haven't officially confirmed their kick-off time as the fixture secretary for the Juvenile League. Our general rule at home was we were the first Saturday in September for the last number of years. Normally, once the kids go back to school, the juveniles kick off on the first Saturday in September. And as you said, and it's something we've said at committee level for years, if you don't have a juvenile set up, you won't have an adult club in a couple of years. And the Juvenile League has gone from strength to strength to strength in the last number of years, all the way now with age groups, all the way from under eight right through to under-16s, uh, and there's even been girls' league the last couple of years. So very much the future of soccer in Carlo is looking very, very promising, right from under-8s, right the way up to over-35s. Uh, and with the, with, with the women's, we're hoping in the next couple of years we'll be, we'll be able to get a girls' youth league um, running once the girls under-14s and 16s start to come of age, that we might introduce a girls' uh, youth league to help get the women's league numbers increased. Fantastic. And we're looking at maybe, sep- is it August 11th or uh, September 11th when the under-17, under-19 league starts? Yeah, so the under-17 and the under-19 traditionally kick off on the second Saturday in September. So we've penciled in the 11th of September for those, again, to give them a couple of games competitive before the FEI under-17 youth cup and the LFA under-19 youth cup kick off. They'll have two or three league games um, under, under their belt. And the under-17 and under-19 league should be two very promising leagues. We, we were to have a very good youth league last year under-18 level. And unfortunately, it never even got started before lockdown. And I know the Juvenile League last year had a very competitive under-16 league who only got three or four games each. So now that they can stay together and move on to under-17 level. So they should be two very good leagues. They'll both play at the same time, half two on Saturday afternoons. Um, and the clubs have been told uh, that there'll be no top-up of players as such because both, both both age groups will play at the same time. Fantastic. Ladies League then uh, looking to kick off in early October with uh, nine rounds scheduled to be played before Christmas. Yeah, so a very successful Ladies League. We, 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 we've actually got a large number of teams from down your way, Shane, over the last number of years. We've got Bridge United Ladies, we've got Freebooters Ladies, we've got Thomastown Ladies, we've got New Park Ladies. So we, we almost have as many Kilkenny clubs as we do Carlo clubs. It's kind of split six and four. So with 10 there, what we've traditionally done over the years is it's not because we don't know the standard as such, we can't quite start off with two divisions. So what we generally do as a rule of thumb is we'll play the nine rounds and a bit like what they do in Scotland, if it turns out to be a big gap, we generally split a top five, bottom five yeah. and for, the, for, the, for the second round and the bottom five will go off and play for a Division 2 title after Christmas. So by starting on the first Sunday in October, um, again, the, the feedback from the ladies over the number of years, we did survey all our clubs. That's one of the things we do in the Carroll League. We always check with our clubs. We did ask them if they wanted to start the ladies earlier, but the feedback was there's a lot of the girls playing camogie, a lot of the girls playing football and the, the warm could be ready till the first Sunday in October. So that will give us uh, nine Sundays till Christmas so that we can play off the first round and then see where we stand. If it turns out to be a really competitive league, like it had done a couple of years ago, well, then they'll just play nine more rounds as they are after Christmas. But if it turns out that there is a bit of a gap between the teams, we can split it into a Division 1 and 2 uh, after Christmas and go for the second round that way. Fantastic. Brian, thanks ever so much for taking the call. We're looking forward to covering the KCLR Shield that's kicking off August 15th. Uh, I love the Champions League format of it. It sounds really, really exciting. And uh, we can't see, wait to see what comes up and uh, how the teams do in the Carlo District League this season. That's brilliant. And we have the draw on Thursday night, actually. It'll be streamed live on our Facebook page uh, on Thursday night. So there's going to be um, five pots and it's going to be seeded. So we'll have two Premier Division teams in each group. There'll be two Division 1 teams in each group and a Division 2. So the draw will be at 8 o'clock on Thursday night and the groups for the KCLR Champions League 
will then be on our social media and our website late Thursday night or Friday morning. Some exciting things coming up in the Carlow District League. An exciting time for myself as well. I'm getting to test myself in a final for the first time as a manager and I'm going up against an old friend in Shawnee Doyle. Uh, we're looking forward to it. As you know, it's that U team we had and we've kept them together. So, myself um, and Michael Clifford um, just decided to try him in the junior leagues and at the moment it's going well. Now they are young, but we're looking forward to Wednesday night. It should be a good game. Yeah, because when we, when you entered the league, you were on, on with me and we were yeah. talking about that and uh, it was kind of a chance to see if they could establish themselves in a junior league and it was a very, very good idea. Um, and then obviously curtailed. Pandemic yeah. kind of t- took, took it away. How do you... Well, obviously they're in a the final, so they must be stepping up. Yeah, well, um, like they're a good team. Like, they're not denying it. They're, they're they're all able to play. They're ballers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we don't have any pressure on them. Um, Michael is great with them. Um, they love Michael. Um, he's brilliant with them. So we just tell them, look, we train well, try and do the right things, keep them together. They're a good bunch. They all hang around. They've all played together for years, most of them. Um, and we just try and keep them grounded and let them go. The idea is to try and get these lads a year. Was to get these a year in junior football, and then. Not saying the better lads, but some have moved up to the A team, some move on to the other Premier team we have in the B. But as you said, COVID came and everything was knocked back. So the second division cup was our aim. Calmount Cup, obviously, we were beaten by our own B team um, 1 0. But at from when John Corrigan and Tom said it was coming back, the divisional cup was our aim to try and get to the final at least. Yeah, and you still had Leinster kind of interest as well yeah. at the time, but that, that, that was put off altogether. That was then. put off. We. The team, as you know, won the two Leinsters back yeah. to back and we had entered them in the 19s to see could we do the three with the exact same team. But obviously, that, yeah. I, I would have fancied it really strongly in that because at their own age group, they're a very good side. You know, they're, they're able to match up with guys their own age. But um, COVID killed it and we just kept training one night a week. Well, we didn't train during the lockdown, but when it came back, <laughs> when it, I don't want anyone ringing and saying you're breaking. No, we didn't train, but when it came back, they trained really hard to get where they are now. Yeah, like I, I kind of, you know, I, I grew up playing with freebooters, yeah. schoolboys. I was with freebooters for a long time, and a, a team like Castle Warren were out the country. We had an under sixteen set up, and we weren't able to maintain that. Obviously, you're competing with the likes of Clara GEA yeah. out there, yeah. but we still have a lot of our under sixteen lads yeah. still playing. Sean Grace, Eddie O'Neill, our goalkeeper, they all came from the youth setup that we did have that we don't have, but. It, it, it's so integral to a club like you're talking about all these lads playing all the way up so they're learning their fundamentals mm-hmm. from a very young age yeah. like a lot of our team would have come from the likes of Evergreen or would yeah. have played like the likes of Freebooters and learned how to play a ball there and then come to us and then forget everything that they learned <laughs> but uh, but like it, it, it's so integral to, to the setup of the club like the work that Dean Celtic are doing Callan are doing getting their FAI club mark yeah. once again Evergreen Brilliant. yourselves you know having, yeah. the, having the pitch down there just having that youth set up is just it, it, it just helps the team tremendously from a junior perspective yeah because if you don't have it normally what happens you'll have a bunch of players that might be in the Premier Division but when they start getting older you have nothing to replace them with and most teams that have no school boys end up in the lower divisions and that's no disrespect to the lower division I played in it managed in it it's no disrespect but when you have like this team sorry <laughs> this team we have now came through our under from the Saturday morning up to under nine Johnny McAvoy and BB had them first then Lee Sullivan and Derry took him, and then me and Michael took him. So there's continuity with them all. The, and camaraderie then and camaraderie. as well. They're a great bunch now. I mean, after the one Leinster, myself and Michael just went out for a drink with them. We had a, a, a private party, and it's great watching them. They're great friends. They knock around together. They hurl, but not as they don't take it as serious as as the, they do this team. Yeah. Um, which we're delighted with. But they put everything into it. They train properly. We trained yesterday, Saturday morning, 12 o'clock. We had 14 up there. So they train and, and they put in the effort. So that's all you can ask from young fellas. You know, they have to, you have to give them something to aim for. You have to. If you don't, just they'll just tap along and they'll play in any division. You have to give them something to aim for. And considering they're young fellas, I feel really bad now that I'm going to break their hearts on Wednesday <laughs> yeah, night. Yeah, which is possible. Like, there's no guarantees. Like, like uh, years and years ago when I was a young player, Davy Morris, who was a manager I had great respect for, always said to me, cup finals are for winning. Mm. doesn't matter if you're horrible or play terrible or... Doesn't matter. He said, cup finals are for winning. And he's right. Um, no one will remember next Friday night if Evergreen got 50 passes to score the goal. Once the result is New Park or Evergreen win, or like today, Evergreen B hung in and hung in and hung in and got the results. And you were saying New Park were... were oh, were New Park. I was at the game. New Park 
possibly could have been two or three up. They had some great chances. But in fairness, Evergreen stuck at it, stuck at it, got a goal, and then they kind of got a bit of momentum. So, like, just because we've won a Leinster Youths doesn't mean we can win a second division come final. They're totally different. And, and we are a young team. Physically and mentally, they're a young, young team. You know? mm. um, it, first of all, I'm kind of shocked that Freebooter Bank gave Evergreen some kudos there. You oh, know? No, no, you have to be. Like, <laughs> I mean, in fairness, Connor, I know Connor, and he tries to do the right thing. But once they got the goal, they were very good. Yeah. As I said, he'd be off air, they brought on a young fella. He scored two goals and should have had a hat-trick because he had another great chance. Luke Owens. But New Park were all over him and looked like they were going to cruise. And next minute, that goal. And I was with two other good soccer men, Jim Nugent and Jim Cashin. And I said to him, they're leaving a minute, they're leaving a minute. And just as we said it, Evergreen equalised. Yeah. And then the whole complex of the game changed, you know. Yeah, so it's all about getting over the line. People say, oh, play well and look well and talk out. It's all about the result. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of Dirty Miss in itself, it's getting yeah. a lot of playing times yeah. now lately. We had the semi-finals out there. Yeah. How, how's the pitch looking? Two oh, games I, on it today? Yeah, I'm only in from it. Um, I'm only in from it from the, the, the Premier Cup final. Fran has a great job done. John have a great job done. It. And I presume they'll work on it Monday. And she didn't seem to be cutting up because the rain wasn't heavy, it was more just sitting on it. Um, but I presume the boys will have it done and I'll have it immaculate for you, Shane, Wednesday. Yeah, for me. To grace. They'll have the red, the red carpet out and everything. Out, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Cup final day is always, like, we, we've got to experience two. We've won yeah. one, we've been on the other side of one. I can yeah. tell you which one that I prefer being done. Absolutely. You yourself said that it was the first ever cup that you've won as a as manager. As a manager, yeah, about 26 or 7 years ago. We had no B-team manager and I took him in the second division. We won the cup, but, like... It's a great day, no matter what division you're in. Yeah. Um, McCallum Cup, third division cup. I was at that last week. Exact same canises. And Tullerone, All yeah. over Tullerone. Tullerone scored a goal. Win the cup. It's brilliant. It, it's a great day out and you have to enjoy it. You can't panic. You can't be nervous. Just go and play. And especially considering the year that we have. Like, ever, like as you said, there was lads ready to kind of come back and train. Yeah. And everyone was eager. Everyone was like nipping at the bud to, yeah. to, to get back out onto the field. Um, speaking of getting back out onto the field, like when the league restarts, what, what what's the future for, for Freebooter C then? Because the original plan was almost like a succession plan. Yeah. There, yeah. Where they might move up or go down. But because of the year that you've had, yeah. they I, haven't I, really got have a fair crack at no, the No, they haven't. I Like, we have other young lads ready to come in. Yeah. So I'd imagine four or five of that team will move on to the A-team squad. Yeah. B-team will probably keep their own and we'll keep the rest in the second division and bring in the other couple of young lads we have. We have a few signed that can't play because they didn't play last year. I think we've three that are training with us that will yeah. come in um, and we'd, we'd be as strong again at that at that level. But as I said here the first time you asked me about it a few months ago, I wasn't to come in and try and win and beat teams 10 in the second division. Mm. That wasn't the plan. It was to try and get these lads used to getting the belt off a man. You know what I mean? Get oh, a, I know. I've played a proper I've, tackle. You I've, know, that we're in youths at their own age to be able to deal with. Have you them. seen my face <laughs> and the scars on it from the top of my head? I know exactly what yeah, you mean. But that, that was the plan to, to build these lads up. And naturally, look, it's natural in every sport. The better lads will move. Yeah. The Mikey Cliffords and Jamie's and the Keen Frannies and Jack Carnellys, these lads will move up to the A team. Yeah. And the other lads will, it might take them a year or longer It'll to get bide used their to time, it. yeah. We have a couple of good ones. Matty Zeke, a, a, a Kilkenny chap, he, he was injured. He missed the final because his grandparents died in Poland. He had to go home for that. But he scored the winner in the semi final. Yeah. And he's back for us now, and it's like having a new player in. Yeah. So, like, I get a great buzz out of him, yeah. The laughing and the joking with him. But once we, Michael says, go in training, they're on the ball and the. They do everything he says. So it, it, it is good, but that's the plan. Try and get as many as we can into the A team. It's too long since we won one of the big trophies with the A team. There's a good it, team. It, there. it was what? 12 years, is it's, it? It's 10 or 12. I was the last manager to win the Premier League. For, for yeah. I don't want that record. I'd prefer if James. Well, like you, before the, the league was suspended, you were on course to win well, the Well, the, the last two <laughs> years, they were very, very close. Yeah. The last two leagues in that 14 months they were I'm not saying they would have but they were in good positions good nick yeah having beaten Evergreen and beaten Thomas Town they were in good positions and this happened but look this is mad year ain't it I yeah. mean when you look at it we were all ready to go as I said to you when you interviewed me after the Leinster we were lucky to get Leinster played mm. we were delighted if we didn't kick another ball the August coming we would have been happy these are bonuses yeah but you have to keep the young lads playing I, I, they need something they need an outlet they have to get out in the grass 
they have to get out in the grass. The gym, they can all look well in the t-shirt, but they need to be out in the grass. <laughs> can they? All, can we all oh, look well? Can, can we? Look well, Shane, yeah. <laughs> uh, will you be following uh, kind of an evergreen form right now with the evergreen forty-six and uh, having a freebooters forty-six? You getting back out into the pitch? No. Oh, Shane, I done my crucial <laughs> playing with you. <laughs> Castle Warren over thirty-fives yeah. a year ago. That finished me. Oh, Castle Warren taking out the manager. Hopefully, we'll take out your team now yeah, on Wednesday. Me. I'm looking forward to it, Shawnee. As always, it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you, and hopefully, we can shake hands and have a beer when Absolutely. we're allowed after. Absolutely, Shannon. Really looking forward to it. Thanks a million. Thanks for thanks for promoting junior soccer. You're doing a great job. And finally, the Olympian himself, Mr. Marcus Lawler, joining us on Scoreline. It's unbelievable, really. Like it's it's. I don't even know how to put it into words, but um, it's obviously. A major, major achievement, and I'm really proud of it. But uh, it was certainly anxious and stressful few months, um, uh, trying to just figure out world rankings and would I be going, won't I be going? And um, I kind of knew last week that um, it was happening. But again, just have to wait for that official selection. And when the official selection came through the other night, I was just uh, absolutely thrilled. And um, yeah, so I, I'm on the plane to Tokyo on Friday, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, I just smiling hearing you say that. It's amazing because I think actually the last time we did sp- speak, you just fall- fallen short of qualifying for the European indoors for the 60 meter, I believe. So, how much has your form? Do you think it has improved since you know you've been put in that position back then? Yeah, look, I, I, I think this kind of hasn't sort of come into fruition of the last sort of to fresh in the last like weeks and months it's been years and years of like hard work and to put it down to the last year or so or uh longer it wouldn't be right i think it's years of hard work and uh developing over time you know to become better and improve and to be good and, and that takes time um so uh, yeah like i mean look i i i suppose this season alone i obviously struggled a bit indoors and uh I've had a couple of decent races over the summer and um, and a few disappointing races too, but uh, all in all, it's been good and I've qualified and I'm there. And uh, I was just speaking during the week um, to Sue and Emer as well, and I was just saying back in 2016, I suppose, I sort of had my eye on Rio kind of semi-thinking I could make it and I ended up missing it by like 0.2 of a second or something like that at the time. And... Um, I'm just glad that I've made it to this one because it's a really, really, it's the qualification to get to an Olympic Games. It's it's cutthroat. Um, the top 56 athletes in the world are going in the 200 meters, and uh, I'm part of that. And um, yeah, it's just hopefully I'll be able to put my best foot forward on the line out there. And looking at say when you're going over representing Team Ireland you're going over representing your country and your nation but obviously a 200 metre sprint is a very individual thing um, from a sporting perspective I've only ever played kind of team sports is there still is there a bit of a team atmosphere I don't know if you've, if, if you've happened to meet up with the, your fellow uh, compatriots that are heading over as well but is there a team atmosphere amongst the camp or because you are involved in an individual um, individual race is it, is it a lot more kind of you're, at, you're on your own yeah, look, I suppose preparations over the years, uh, look, it is an individual sport and it's a tough sport because when you're on that line and you're an individual and you run to point A to point B, uh, the clock doesn't lie. And um, whether you might feel aspects of your performance has been good, but the clock doesn't show it, um, it ends up being a disappointment. And the same with the other way, if you run a really good race, the clock shows it and you're ecstatic. So in that sense, it's certainly individual, but there's definitely team element over the years. Um, again, like co- between coaching teams and like training partners and support staff and things like that. For me, um, it was about creating that and building that kind of uh, network, if you like, or support team. Um, so there is a team aspect to it in that sense um, over the last number of years and months. Um, but then I suppose to give you an idea of when I go out there. So the plan is we fly on Friday and we go to our holding camp in Fukuroi where most of Team Ireland are there. So like the various different sports and obviously athletics, boxing, etc. Um, some of the different sports are going to be based around Japan, but um, a lot of the main Team Ireland will be in Fukuroi. So some of them I know from training up in the Institute and stuff. And I know a few athletics friends, obviously, as well. We've made great friends in this sport too. And um so yeah, we will be together over there in the holding camp 
um, before heading up to Tokyo uh, to the Olympic Village. So there'll be about two weeks or a little bit more of preparation out there in the holding camp with Team Ireland. And um, yeah, like I, I'll, I'll find out more when I get there on Friday and Saturday. But um, yeah, I'm excited to get over and hopefully the, the there'll be plenty of positivity out there and there'll be a good mood in the camp. And be a great move back here, cheering you on, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to, you know, come home with something that we, we. I don't want to even say it, but like considering you're going over to the Olympics, what is the aim then? So, is the aim winning gold, or what? What? What is the aim going coming over here? Yeah, look, you said it. It's been such a hard task to get to the Olympics in the first place. So that was the like key, I suppose goal and dream of mine was to qualify for an Olympics and it is certainly not simple um, so getting there has been major now I needed a goal out there and realistically round one for me is going to be my Olympic final and um, a lot will depend on the draw and stuff and I hope I can run really well out there um, if I run close enough to my PB I might be in the shake to get into a semi but um, this isn't uh, <laughs> it's serious serious business Um Realistically, I probably won't be looking at the final, but it'd be great if I could get out of round one and make it into a semi-final. I mean, that would be a dream. Um, but round one for me, I won't be looking any further past that, and that will be my Olympic final. And I just really want to kind of go out there and enjoy it as best I can. Um, kind of, I suppose, run freely, and there's no pressure. Um, so try let it flow, and just try put in a big performance in round one, and. Um, hopefully just see where that takes me then and um, that will be kind of my goal but I suppose the key word um, in there is enjoyment as well and I've said that to a couple of people that um, it's going to be really important for me to enjoy the next few weeks and uh, be happy once I step on the start line um, and hopefully I'll run well then. So does that change, just from a preparation and training point of view, uh, are you looking say, Maybe maybe it's different in, in in athletics, but are you looking to peak then in the first race or like what way does that work? Because we've I've I've heard it maybe in GEA circles that certain teams might train for the league and look to peak in the league and then they kind of taper off because their their body was you know would just naturally fall apart. And I think me and you've discussed before people aren't machines; you can't just turn it on and turn it off. So you have to build and prepare. So would would the preparation? Are you looking to reach the crescendo in in the the first round? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's going to be where it counts for me, um, and see where it takes me. Then hopefully, like it'll be great to get another great against the semi final there. But that will be where I'll be peaking towards. That will be where I'll be aiming towards. Training for the next uh, few days and weeks um, is going to be geared towards uh, round one and and literally not looking any further. I suppose that's because it's an Olympics and that's because it's top fifty six athletes in the world and there is no. Like, I'm going up against some serious names here, like the American sprinters, the Jamaican sprinters. Like, it's going to be it's going to be very serious. So um, I'm going to have to bring my A game to round one. Whereas I suppose, um, maybe perhaps in World University Games in 2019, you can kind of hold back in the heat a little bit. Um, and then in the semi-final, then it's kind of like, okay, now it's business time. So there's no room for error there. But um, here it'll be... Uh, round one will be the the where I'll be peaking for and where I'll hopefully put in a really good shift. So yeah, yeah. we we have no doubt in the Americas. It's it's just going to be amazing to be able to follow your journey. We know that you're going over there, and Kenny will also be represented from a KCLR perspective with Clean and Manning being officially selected for the mixed four by four hundred meter relay. Just a really nice strong contingent going over there. Sam Watson obviously as well in the equestrian front it's just it's amazing to see from a KCLR perspective and from an Irish perspective just uh, local athletes going on and representing on an international stage we wish you nothing but the best is there a bit of um, the, the fact that no fans will be in attendance is there has that even come into your mind or does that affect you when you're out on the track um, yeah, it just just on the first point you made, um, uh, Shane. That's like that's it was. It's great, obviously, for Carlo and Kenny to have local athletes there as well, and and all the athletes that have qualified for Team Ireland. It's uh, it's kind of hard to describe, and like there's so much work gone into it. So everyone that is qualified um, has put a massive amount of work in, and everyone has earned their place there. So like like um, like big well done to everyone, you know. But um. Yeah, the the empty stadiums. Look, I've I've run in a couple of empty stadiums already this year, so 
um, that won't bother me. I suppose, I suppose uh, members of my family have always come over to championship races for me, and uh, that won't happen this time. So that might be um, a bit of a change. But look, I have a job to do out there, and I'm going out to focus on it, and that won't bother me at all. Um, I think it's really, really good that the Olympics is going ahead. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that that aspect of that aspect of for my it won't affect my performance anyway. That's for sure. But um, yeah, it'll just be great to get out there and kind of enjoy it, you know. Um, it'll probably be certainly different to other Olympics. I can't really compare because this is my first one. But um, in terms of empty stadiums, it's something I've run in this year already. So um, yeah, it it shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be a problem, you know. Well, we'll be cheering you on from here. Hopefully, you'll be able to hear us or see some of the stuff that we'll be putting up online. Marcus, it's an absolute pleasure. Once again, huge congratulations to you, to Clean the Manning, to everybody that is qualified to represent our country over in Tokyo. It's an amazing achievement. I cannot understate that or overstate that enough. It is just an amazing achievement, and we're really, really looking forward to following your journey. Yeah, thanks a million, Shane. And just while, I, while I'm on as well, just like a massive thank you to everyone who has sent me well wishes and support me around the locality and Ireland because it's actually been unbelievable and really hard to keep up with and I appreciate everyone's messages um, of support and stuff so hopefully that I can do everyone proud and hopefully um, it'll give uh, everyone something to follow on you over the next couple of weeks and stuff so uh, thanks a million for to everyone for um, supporting me and sending me um, really really nice messages and messages of support so it, it's a major help to me and it drives me forward as well so That's our lot. This is Scoreline Extra. If you want to hear the show live every weekend from 2 to 6, tune in to KCLR. Until then, stay safe, stay sane.